Hello and welcome to Locked On Astros, your daily Astros podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric the Man Heisman and Brett H-Town Wheelhouse Chansey. I am Locked On Houston Astros, and I hope that you listen to Locked On Astros podcast daily. Your team every day. I'm H-Town Wheelhouse, and you can find me on Twitter at H-Town Wheelhouse. You can find me at Strohs411 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always positive, always Strohs. You can find our show, Locked on Astros, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I have a special guest with me tonight. Again, like I said, Eric is in North Carolina hanging out with family. And we have the amazing, the talented Gabrielle Starr from Locked on Red Sox. Gabrielle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so great to get to talk to you again. So where can they find you on Twitter? So on Twitter, I'm G-F-S-T-A-R-R-1. And of course, Locked on Red Sox is L-O underscore Red Sox. And you also head up the Girl at the Game podcast as well, correct? I do. Yeah. I'm the founder of Girl at the Game, which is a sports multimedia company by women for everyone. So on Twitter, we're Girl at the Game, all one word, no capitals or underscores or anything. Um, And then we're girlatthegame.com and the Girl at the Game podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. That is awesome. You know, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're actually going to have author Jonathan Fink. He wrote a series on the baseball gods. He has one of the football gods and he has, he has many, many options that you can choose from. You need to go check out his books, listen to the podcast. It's amazing. So let's just go ahead and dive in Gabrielle, because there've been a lot of things going on. There's free agency, there's Cora, there's Springer, but I want to talk to you first and foremost about Kim Ang being hired by the Florida Marlins. And this is such a groundbreaking hiring for Major League Baseball. What was your reaction to her being hired? Uh, my first reaction was it's about time because she's been interviewing around the league for general manager positions for 15 years. And not only that, but in addition to the probably 10 teams that she interviewed with, there were all of the teams, including the Boston Red Sox, that had multiple GM openings over the last 15 years and did not even give her an interview. So if you do the calculations and you assume that each team around the leagues, besides you know a few that have had guys like Brian Cashman there for such a long time, She was passed over for something like 30 plus general manager positions over the last 15 years. And that's crazy. Uh, So it's amazing that this is finally happening, but we cannot ignore the fact that this should have happened a long time ago. No, yeah, definitely. And one of the things Eric touched on, I don't know if you know this, but I believe she was one of the people that the Astros actually talked to. um, From what I understand, I don't know how deep um, they looked into it, but Eric even made the point, man, what a, I mean, that would have been a huge signing for the Astros because of the whole Talbot thing, the whole locker room thing, the whole, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like all the controversies surrounding the Astros, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in the room, <laughs> but it would have been like, I think for the Astros, it would have been like, oh my gosh, wow. I mean, what might've been had they signed her, you know? It definitely would have been a huge cultural shift for for that franchise, for your franchise to go from all of the things that you just listed 
which all occurred in a matter of about a year and a half to hiring the first female GM, not only in major league baseball history, but in the history of um, male professional sports in the United States, uh, the NFL, obviously NBA, none of these teams, none of these leagues have ever had a female general manager. So for the Astros to have done it, I think it would have been very interesting. I also think it could have been viewed as, I don't want to say, um, like tokenism. Okay. I, I, I was, think, I think well, I was about to been, say token, like a, like a, this is our, this is our apology hire. Right. Exactly. Okay. Like, I think, I think it had to be a team. I mean, look, she's immensely qualified. I've been saying this for weeks now. Um, but I think that if the Astros had done it, it would have looked kind of like a PR move for them of to, fix our image, you know, from the Taubman thing, from the Roberto Zuna acquirement, um, all of these things, it would have looked like she was there as a PR move. And that would have been horribly insulting to women, but also just a really bad way for the first woman to become a female general manager in major league baseball. So I'm, while I think that she will be great with the Marlins. And I think that she would have made great changes for the Astros. I think it's a good thing that she was not the Astros hire last year. No. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And, um, you know, my wife, she is, a she is, um, pretty high up with, with her company. She works for a large oil company and there's not many women in her position or in the position she's in. And so, you know, she's definitely, you know, in, a man's world, sort of say, and and I and I've I've seen some of those struggles there, um, but but yeah, you're right. It it probably would have would have seemed to be a little kind of odd um, because you know uh, Jim Crane unfortunately did not um, did not uh, handle the whole apology thing well. We know that he got that started off like a lead balloon, and so on and so forth. <laughs> so not to continue to beat a dead horse because we could all. We are so tired of hearing about that. I know Astros fans, but I think Kim Ang being there, I think the fact that she's with Jeter and won those titles um, was a part of those Yankees teams, I I think is kind of surreal and almost goes along with this whole interview that I'm going to have with John Fink talking about um, the baseball gods are real and stuff. It's just kind of a, kind of a really, really neat fit. Um, Do you expect them to, do you expect her to make any big moves or are they, are the Marlins in a position where, I mean, she's just going to have to get the lay of the land before she does anything significant. You know, that's interesting because as we all know from the last few years, watching people like Christian Yelich, Real Muto, Stanton around the league, you know, former Marlins who were sent away in part of this whole drastic shift when when dark cheater kind of entered the organization when the when the organization went into like full everything must go rebuild mode um it's crazy to think that the marlins used to look like that that that's what their team used to be given how all of those players have now ended up the the marlins unexpectedly this year were a postseason team for a hot second exactly Um, i actually I actually love the Marlins. I have a lot of friends who either work in um, the media down in Miami or work for the Marlins. And so they're, they, they have kind of a, I have a soft spot in my heart for them and I rooted for them this year. Um, obviously 
you know, they had a tough season with the COVID outbreak um, and obviously being a 60 game season, like this is the weirdest time. So she's coming into an organization that both had a very dramatic season, but also ended up having a pretty successful season given how they've been the last few years. I mean, in, in from a fan standpoint, purely in 2019, the Marlins were the, the first team since the 2004 Montreal Expos to have less than a million fans in home attendance in their ballpark. So she has her work cut out for her in terms of like the, the public perception angle, you know, drawing fans in kind of making the Marlins like a fun activity for people in the South Florida area to actually want to come see a ball game, obviously when things are safe enough to do that. But from an actual player standpoint, I mean, look, she's been around the game and in the game for three decades now at every possible level, you know, she knows the kind of players to look out for in terms of, you know, what pieces, like maybe a little bit more pitching, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a stronger power bat, you know, maybe it's time for them to really start spending money again. Um, you know, they, they got rid of Stanton's contract in, after 2017. And that was a huge weight that, um, you know, Jeter sent off to his former team. Um, I think she's definitely going to have to acquire some, you know, a big name or two. Um, but I think that for the most part, her bigger work is actually going to be in terms of like other aspects of leadership in that franchise. Um, that team is kind of slowly starting to become a self-functioning machine. And obviously, you know, that requires stewardship, you know, she's going to have to keep an eye on it, make sure that, you know, all the pieces are running smoothly, maybe add a few new pieces. But I mean, look, they had like 19 cases of COVID at the beginning of their season. They were playing right. with a skeleton crew and they still ended up making it all the way to the playoffs. And True. No, yeah, definitely. That speaks, that speaks to the depth that they have. And I know speaking from experience as a, as a person who covers a team that its own depth weaknesses were exposed over the last two years. I mean, I, I said when they had that COVID outbreak, I was like, well, the Red Sox literally would not be able to do this. They right. would not have the requisite human beings to fill in at these spots. And the Marlins did. And that speaks to the longevity and the kind of consistency that they are beginning to show as a franchise. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, she seems to be the type of person that would accept that challenge. But, you know, one of the things that I did like about all the press conferences and things that she said was, you know, a lot of the media was talking about, um, so, you know, is this, is this, you know, do you, do you feel like it took too long? Basically every, everyone was kind of wondering like what, like how she felt about it, you know, taking this long to get hired. And, and it, it was always with the grace and it was always with, you know, that's what, that's what hard work is for and perseverance. And I hope little girls can grow up and, you know, see, see what I do. And so it's been really cool for her to approach it with, with, you know, humility. Um, and um, it's because for me, I don't know that I could handle a GM job myself because it, it, it would be so stressful, but speaking of GMs and speaking of, of hirings um, the, uh, and, I know you talked about this because um, I listened to your most recent um, podcast where um, you and your co-host talked about um, Cora. And so you <laughs> guys, you guys hired Cora back. Um, were you on board with this at first? Yes or no? 
Honestly, no. I mean, I didn't have super strong feelings against it, but I was definitely one of the people that was more hesitant about it. And I was definitely not one of those people being like, give him back, bring him back. Like we need him. We love him. You know, I very much was hesitant and just kind of focused on the PR aspect, focused on the reputation aspect, because you and I both know, you know, we're the two fan bases that have received the most crap over the last two years. Now, even though we are in no way affiliated with our actual team, because people around baseball Twitter cannot actually go up to say John Henry, principal owner of the Boston Red Sox be like, Hey man. And like start screaming at him about whatever, who are they going to take it out on yes. people on social media? <laughs> right. Um, every, and, and also, and that, you know, that's, that's one thing. That's just a headache. That's fine. But the bigger thing to me was for a while, maybe for a long time, maybe forever, who knows every good thing that happens to the Red Sox while Cora is there will have kind of a little bit of a dark cloud hanging over it of like, Mm. you know, every, every home run. Oh, well, they knew that was coming because they're cheaters. Every, (laughs) you know, every game, every big win, every postseason. I mean, you you saw with the Astros this year, you saw with the Astros, whenever, whenever the players were slumping, Oh, well, they didn't know. Of course, you can't hit when there's no trash. Exactly. And And if they were doing it well, it's like, oh, their camera must be back up. Right. Exactly. So (laughs) (laughs) that's just I mean, that's just the way it is. And that sucks. And, you know, part of me just wished that as the Red Sox themselves love to say that they would turn the page. You know, I think Cora in a lot of ways is a great guy and a great manager. He also made a huge mistake. And I said many times, you know, I think that he ultimately deserves a second chance to manage, but I'm not sure if that should be with the Red Sox because he comes back and all, you know, that narrative remains with him. And that's not necessarily fair, but it is what it is. And I personally would love to just not have to deal with that aspect of it, of just like, well, every time I say, oh, this, you know, next year, for example, every time J.D. Martinez hits a towering home run at Fenway Park, right? Oh, well, of course he's he's hitting again now because Cora's back and he's given him all the inside information. You know, it's stuff like that where it's, it's just, right. it's just annoying. And I... Or Beltron's niece may, um, Beltron's niece may, (laughs) may reveal they're using, um, the MLB authentication stickers on the end of their bats as buzzers, you know, I mean, so it's, but you know, Cora, Cora, when he was here, I mean, everyone I know that interacted with them, met him, just loved the guy. And, um, you know, Astros fans, whenever we heard that Cora was going back to Boston, we were like, we want our AJ Hinch back. Like, like, you know, AJ Hinch was like a, you know, like he was like a pet, like, you know, like my dog, Milo, like I absolutely love Milo. Like I was, man, <laughs> this, this dog, Gabrielle is, he is by far the bet world's best dog that I've ever owned. And, and I think people kind of treat like AJ Hinch are like, oh, but I just want my AJ Hinch back. And I'm like, no, you don't like, you don't understand, like we're already getting crap. I mean, our minor leaguers are getting, are getting jeered during spring training. Like our mascots getting jeered during spring training. You don't want AJ Hinch back. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying it's, it's like, 
But we were all kind of like ticked off. We were like, well, dang it. If they can have quarterback, why can't we have Hinch, you know? Um, so with like Hinch going to the Tigers, I think for him, um, the road back to forgiveness and stuff is going to be probably a little bit different than it is for Cora. What do you think about that? I, I definitely agree. I also think that, you know, the interesting thing with how this all shook out was that Manfred stated in 2017, you know, after the Yankees and the Red Sox were both, you know, accused of cheating in various ways. In 2017, Manfred said that he planned going forward to punish field managers and general managers for the actions of the team, because they're the ones who are supposed to be in charge. You know, the captain goes down with the ship. Right. Um, right. And so that's how, that's how this whole thing went down was, you know, Astros players were promised immunity in exchange for their testimony. Um, Hinch and Lunau and Cora were all, were all punished and, well, Beltron wasn't really punished, but he didn't end up getting to manage a single game for the Mets. But the thing that bothers me about that is that obviously the immunity thing, you have to set that aside because Manfred gave them immunity. That is what it is. But when your investigation finds that you have a player driven scheme and then no players get punished and then your manager gets punished for something that he wasn't like he knew it was going on. He didn't stop it. He admitted that. Right. But he wasn't the one that came up with it. And, and so for me, Manfred's kind of blanket decision to only punish the field manager and GM of any team that cheats. I'm like, well, you're not actually solving the problem because you're not punishing the right people. And I think that if, and this goes for both teams, this goes for any team in the league, because look, you and I both know the Red Sox and the Astros are not the only teams that have been accused of cheating. Right. So, but they're the only two that have been investigated. And as long as Major League Baseball picks and chooses which teams they're going to investigate and which teams they're not, like the Yankees were named over 70 times in that first <laughs> Astros article. My friend Evans, yeah. the one who wrote that article for The yeah. Athletic, you know, you have a team that's being named over 70 times. They've been accused. They've been named by players. They've been named by executives. And you're just going to choose not to investigate them. And I'm not turning this into a Yankees hate thing. I'm simply saying when bad, when people do bad things, you have to actually punish the people who do those things. You can't just decide to not punish them, but punish other people. Right. And that's where I think, and that's why people are so mad at the Astros because the same players who did these things are still out there playing. And then they're like, well, why are you booing us? It's like, well, because your boss took the heat for you and then they got fired. So they're not even around to get booed. Like Hinch and right. Luno crane just fired them. The second that, exactly. that they were suspended, he's like, I'm going to circumvent this. I'm just going to fire them. <laughs> right. And on. see, right. And I, I think too, and I think a lot of the ire should be also pointed at the, at the players union. Um, I think, I think I've heard Sully talk about this on locked on MLB, but the players union, you know, when they, when they protected the players during the whole steroid scandal, um, you know, the players union is very strong and, you know, Manfred has always been, um, we've, we've talked about this extensively, um, when you joined us on other shows, um, how, you know, Manfred's made those owners wallets really, really huge. And mm -hmm. at, but, but I'm telling you, if, if that players union doesn't have a stranglehold, see the players are mad at Manfred, 
but the players own union who represent them are the ones who basically are the ones that kept this down. And to me, when Manfred says things like, we are not going to investigate the Yankees, why would you even say that? You know, like, why not just come out and say, in the future, we will investigate anyone we have with a suspicion of cheating by illegal means. Because I don't know if you know this, in 1961, cheating by using any mechanical device was outlawed by Major League Baseball. So using any mechanical device, whether it be banging a trash can or using a game feed, that's been outlawed since 1961. So there have been rules against it. At the end of the day, I mean, it would be like, <laughs> I love my seventh graders when I say this, but it would be like me trying to trying to teach some kids some days, like when those seventh graders don't want to learn, it's like beating your head against the wall, you know? Um, but you can tell people, <laughs> you can tell people every day for, for, for the rest of your life, other teams are cheating, but this is what I've come to find out. People are going to believe what they want to believe. People are going to die on the hill they want to die on. And they don't necessarily care about facts. They just want, ha- want to have an emotional argument and they need someone to root against. And so the Astros are an easy target. And unfortunately, it's like Sully said, until Altuve, until Bregman, until all these guys, Correa, all these guys retire or they're no more, they're rid of the players that were part of the 2017 team, it will always be there. But I think it will probably be there longer. With that being said, um, I want to ask you about George Springer because you you have an interesting take on George Springer because George Springer has kind of become the sweetheart of Houston. We love this guy. And for what he's done for the city, for what he's done with his whole stuttering organization, for what he's done on the field, the World Series MVP, the home runs, the leadoff home runs, the playoff home runs, like nobody, there's not a single soul in Houston that I know is like, okay, yeah, I'm okay with Springer leaving. <laughs> like we feel like it's this inevitable conclusion. We know he's a UConn grad. And we're eyeing your guy, Jackie Bradley Jr. I think he's a very desirable person to have because there's not a whole lot of money involved and you can't replace a defensive glove of Springer like he can with Jackie Bradley Jr. What do you think about Springer possibly coming to Boston and is that something you would want to see or not? Well I'm a huge JBJ fan. I think he's just an incredible outfielder to watch. I mean when you see it on TV when you see it in real life I mean it is just jaw-dropping how fluid he is how high he can jump like the he makes it look so easy that I think a lot of people have literally just taken him for granted at this point I mean he's been with the team since 2013 when he made his debut they you know he's a homegrown player he's so consistent out there that people just expect him to do this up until literally the last game of the season a month and a half ago when he hit a home run and robbed somebody of a homer by climbing Mm -hmm. the wall in Atlanta. And I'm like, yeah, guys, he's reminding you how good he is, you know, so that next time you see him when he's in somebody else's uniform, doing the same thing to you at Fenway park, you're going to, you're going to wish that you had signed him the way you should have. I definitely have a little bit of a JBJ bias. Um, so I'm, and I'm not going to hide that. I will say, I mean, I I've seen Springer play. I was at the 2017 World Series in LA, um, obviously watched him beat up on the Red Sox over the years, but 
I mean, like, I guess if he comes here, cool. You know, again, there will be more jokes about like two cheating teams helping each other out, whatever, you know, especially if it's, if JBJ goes to the Astros and Springer comes to Boston, it'll be like, oh, so they just, you know, did a swap, which, which is factually untrue because it's free agency. So the teams have nothing to say over where either of them end up. Um, You know, Springer was on UConn men's baseball with, Matt Barnes, who is, of course, our embattled, save-blowing, <laughs> somewhat closer. Um, you know, so I, I understand, you know, Springer Springer would probably want to come home. You know, he's a Connecticut kid. He's a Red Sox fan. Um, I don't have, like, a problem with it. It's just not really my focus at the moment because, quite frankly, the Red Sox need so much pitching that that's, like, all I can think about. It. Mm quite literally consumes me worrying about what the starting rotation, like when I fall asleep at night, I wonder who will be the starting pitcher on opening day, 2021 for the Boston Red Sox, because as of right now, our starting rotation is Nathan Avaldi, maybe Nick Pavetta and maybe Tanner Houck. And like, that's kind of it. And I don't know about you, but that sounds really dire. Yeah, it does. And guys, I'm just going to let y'all know um, she is taken. So I know she's talking about going to going going to bed thinking about baseball, and that's like some guys are <laughs> like, "Who is this Gabrielle? I need to get a hold of her," um, you know. But I mean, that is that is something else because you know the Red Sox were in such a high place; they they achieved so much in that in that 2018 season, um, regardless of whether they cheated or not is beside the point. I think, you know, the Astros 2017 season, whether they cheated to what extent we know they cheated, but to what extent it helped them and all that stuff, both those teams were just really great. Um, You know, the Astros this year struggled um, because we lost JV. Um, Osuna was out. Osuna is now gone de facto because of the injury, which I think the blessing is in the curse there. Uh, with him, but we had to rely on all these minor league pitchers. And I don't know how much you paid attention you to the had minor league pitchers. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Cause I was going to say, um, you know, you talked about that COVID thing. I mean, we had that now. Hey, um, I don't know if you heard this, but our triple a team. So the Nolan Ryan family has been all but absolved from anything Houston Astros, Jim Crane purchased the Corpus Christi hooks. There are, our double-A team wanted to buy the Round Rock Express and Reese Ryan and Reed Ryan and Owen Ryan were like, nope, we're keeping the Express. So they kept it. And we have a new triple-A baseball team that is literally a 25-minute drive from my house. This is in between my house and my in-laws. This is perfect. I'm like, come on, man. Like this couldn't get any better for us. You know, have a triple-A ball plug ball club right in our right in our backyard and for texas it's huge i love that that's i mean i'm a big minor league girl i've been going to paw Sox, you know our triple a affiliate the paw Sox, which are soon going to be the woo socks because they're moving from Pawtucket, rhode island to worcester mass um i've been going to is that what they're going to call them the woo socks um i really hope not but apparently <laughs> yes um uh <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I even have a little from one of our lower affiliates. I have a little stuffed animal wearing a bandana that my boyfriend got me as a present last month. Well, it's a dragon, which is not the mascot at all. 
Um, but it's very cute. Um, so, you know, I love the minor leagues and I also did hear about the Nolan Ryan, kind of the drama. I will say I would not personally want to go up against Nolan Ryan in a fight because Mm -hmm. that man once willingly stuck his hand into a pen full of live coyotes and then still pitched his next start, like four days later with a hand covered in like coyote bites. So he, I, I definitely, I, I would, I don't know. That's really bold of Jim Crane to be like, you know who I think I'm going to, you know, try and start something with Nolan Ryan and his family. Like, yeah. So, so, you strategy. know, I tell my students all the time because I, because I teach Texas history. Um, I want them to learn two things. If they don't learn anything else, they need to learn a, the Alamo is not the final battle of the Texas revolution. And B, there was only one person to get six hits off of Nolan Ryan at one game. And it was Robin Ventura. <laughs> because he hit him put him in the headlock and he hit him six times when he charged the mound and so um i actually worked in alvin i was a youth pastor for a few years in the town where he grew up in and one thing i learned about nolan ryan was people from that town either loved him or hated him and the reason why they didn't like him is because he was he was a very he was a very intense businessman very shrewd and a lot of people thought well since you're from alvin and since i'm from alvin you're going to cut me a deal he didn't cut anybody deals. People didn't like that. And so there were people who really liked him and people that didn't like him at all. But that's the thing. Like he's kind of the manly man. He is, exudes the Texas kind of cowboy image. And, um, you know, I hate to see them go. I actually, um, I know his, um, his grandson, Jackson, and I sent him a message. I said, no matter what happens, um, you guys will always be synonymous with the Astros. We'll always mention you on Locked on Astros. We'll always mention on my Astros for one page because, um, you know, we hate to see you go. And he's like, we do appreciate it. So um, I know they kind of still feel connected, but I guess it's a Jim Crane era and we got to move on. So let's, so let's do this. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap things up. What do you think the Red Sox are going to be doing next year? Give me 30 seconds to a minute of how you think the Red Sox will end up in the AL East. You know, it's funny. (laughs) I went into this offseason surprisingly with a lot of confidence because the thing with the Red Sox right now is that what they need is not, it's not obscure. You know, it's not an abstract vision. It's that they quite simply need new pitching and a lot of it. And they need to figure out if they're going to keep JBJ or not. And then they just need to decide which of their many high ranked infield prospects at the high levels of their system are actually worth keeping or worth bundling for trades, hopefully to acquire some of that pitching, because the one thing that they have an abundance of in their minor league system is infield prospects. They have like 30 of them that are quite good to excellent. And they just do not need all of them because they already have a lot of that talent already like Devers, Michael Chavis, Xander Bogarts at the actual major league level. Like how many second baseman and third baseman do you need? Well, probably two at the most. Um, so that was how I went into the first week of the Austin. I was like, well, if Chaim Bloom does this and this and this and this, you know, they could actually set themselves up to be a third place team next year, maybe even a wild card game team. I'm not saying they're going to win that wild card game, but you know, If everything possible went their way, you know, if they acquired one or two new pitchers this winter who turned out to be good, if Chris Sale comes back at like a kind of sooner rather than later timeline and is effective, if Eduardo Rodriguez is healthy enough to pitch, you know, a lot of things have to go their way that they simply just have to wait and see. And that sucks because it's the same thing with you guys with Justin Verlander, you know, you just have to wait and see. But now 
it's kind of getting to the point where my enthusiasm is waning a little bit just because I don't know if you know this, they tried to get Martin Perez, who was the only healthy starter they had the entire season to take a 56% pay cut. Mm. And his pay last year was only less than 5% of the payroll. So you really did not need to ask him to take a pay cut. You should have just picked up his option and kept a guy who can be a back end of your rotation arm who is consistently healthy and was the only guy on your team to throw over 60 innings this year and make every single one of his starts. Do you not want consistent? Like we're not even talking, you know, Chaim Bloom getting good pitching. I'm literally talking about warm bodies who can stand on the mound and throw a baseball that goes over the plate in the general direction. Right. Inning fillers, inning fillers. <laughs> right. So exactly. now I'm kind of like, well, I mean, look, it's still way too early. You know, I know it's November, but it's still too early to know what this team is going to look like next year. December That's is going to be the crazy, the crazy month. And we've seen over the last few years, a trend where a lot of stuff doesn't even happen until February or even March, you know, JD Martinez's deal. He showed up late to spring training 2018. Cause it wasn't done yet. The deal wasn't I remember done. That. So, you know, we're all sitting here waiting and waiting and waiting and the waiting of course breeds anxiety. I am still hopeful. I think that, Cora coming back is going to be a real confidence boost for guys like Devers. You know, he had an amazing, you know, almost AL MVP caliber year in 2019. And then he had a steep struggle decline this year Um, for him and guys like Bogarts and Eduardo Rodriguez. um, You know, they really are connected to Cora. So I think him coming back will definitely help right the ship a little bit, but the biggest thing is just, You know, the Red Sox have shown a hesitance and reluctance to spend money, which is quite frankly ridiculous when your franchise is valued at over $3 billion. Um, But they're going to have to decide, are you going to actually spend money to get players to be on your team so that you don't embarrass yourself for the third year in a row? Or are you going to keep doing this whole thing where you don't really do anything and you are middle of the pack to bad and you infuriate and alienate your fan base and you don't really accomplish anything which is quite frankly a waste of owning this team because the boston red sox are one of the most storied franchises in baseball we have the yeah, oldest ballpark in major league baseball oh yeah we should um, we should be a beacon of baseball glory for I, the league i saw and the, instead we are embarrassing ourselves regularly i saw the video i think you posted an old fenway park video yes, about season was, tickets yeah, <laughs> and i was like this is hilarious i don't know the gm personally but i'm gonna write him a letter and tell him he needs to make you president of baseball operations <laughs> and put you in charge of the money to give you a blank checkbook but that you'll spend it responsibly you know so hopefully that will boost you to to greater heights but gabrielle thank you so much for joining Locked On Astros. It has been a pleasure as always. We love having you on. I'm sorry Eric couldn't be here. He's out of town, but he said hi. And I really hope that you and your family, yeah, I hope you and your family have a wonderful um, break, holiday break, however y'all celebrate it, Thanksgiving, whatever y'all do to get together. Um, Just um, I hope that y'all are able to get together. And thank you so much for, um, for being on Locked On Astros. Tell the fans where they can find you one more time before we sign off. Well, thank you so much for having me. You know, I love talking to you and to you and Eric both like happy holidays, of course. And I hope you guys are staying safe and sane and, you know, the cabin fever is not too much for you. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at GFSTARR1. Locked on Red Sox is on Twitter at LO underscore Red Sox. And Girl at the Game is 
girl at the game, all one long word and girl at the game.com and the girl at the game podcast and locked on Red Sox, wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. And go, go check out locked on Red Sox quality stuff. Um, she even has like professional players on sometimes she knows a lot of people <laughs> go, go check out Sully over at locked on MLB or just any team. And I've got to get this in before we sign off. The Texans beat the Patriots today. I don't know if you're a, you're a football fan, but it's two years I'm in a actually, row. And I'm actually, and I was so kind of excited. A Dallas Cowboys fan. Oh my goodness! She didn't say not Dallas like, Cowboys. <laughs> not like not like really, but my boyfriend's a Dallas Cowboys fan. Okay. I'm actually not a football fan like okay. at all. Really, my dad's a huge Patriots fan, and my boyfriend's a Cowboys fan. So that kind of gets, that was awkward actually like this week last year because they played each other and some, someone had a fumble and I was sitting in between my dad and my boyfriend on the couch and it was, it was positive for the Patriots and it was bad for the Cowboys. And my dad for a second forgot. And he was like, Hey, yeah, buddy. And reached across me to kind of like do a fist pump with my boyfriend. I was like, dad, no, he's a Cowboys fan. Remember? And like, what he, so yeah, that's um, funny. <laughs> yeah you know right. um, yeah but not congratulations to your texans i like jj watt a lot um he's but, awesome he's phenomenal he I, had I four really he had four batted passes well that's you know he had four batted passes today and i'm just um, glad he's healthy oh me too me too um and i will i will say this we root for two teams in this household the texans and whoever's playing the cowboys and i'll leave you with the cowboys joke what is the best thing coming out of dallas I-45 South. That comes to Houston. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Gabby, Gabrielle, thank you so much again for, um, for joining us and you have a good one. You too. Thank you for having me.